That music is an invitation, an invitation to sit up and join me as we look into God's Word. This isn't your parents' Bible study or some pre-printed material from your denomination. Each episode, we tear into God's letter to humanity to see what would God have us know about Himself, about the world around us, and about ourselves. I am Brother Mitchell from the Discipleship Center, and you are listening to the TDC Podcast. Lately, we had been talking about the Ten Commandments again. And why is that? Or more importantly, why did God give us the law? God has always required something from mankind, and that was to love God and others by obeying what God has asked of us through faith. Of course, man has always failed God, and God punishes mankind and then sets up a new age with a new objective for man to focus on. Let me tell you about these ages to see if they make any sense to you so we can better discuss why the law is given and how it affects us today. The first age we see is the age of innocence. We see that in Genesis chapter 1 verses 28 through chapter 3 verse 6. Adam and Eve were created by God in innocence in that they knew no sin at all and were born with a neutral nature in that they truly had the free will to love God. God had only one responsibility for them and that was do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve failed in eating the fruit and God judged them by cursing the earth, mankind, and causing both spiritual death and physical death to begin. The age of conscience. Genesis chapter 3 verse 7 all the way through chapter 6 verse 7 After Adam and Eve were forced out of the Garden of Eden, we are brought to this age of conscience where man's responsibility was to do good and offer first fruit sacrifices. We see that mankind starts to continually do evil to the point at Noah's time, God sees that every intent in man's heart was to do evil continually and that the flesh of mankind is being corrupted by their cohabitation with demons and God judges mankind in a universal flood. The Age of Human Government, Genesis chapter 9 through chapter 11. After the flood, we see that God's new responsibility for man was for them to scatter and multiply, with the intent of different groups to govern themselves. The people rebelled and decided to build a tower, the Tower of Babel, to reach the heavens so that they wouldn't be scattered, or in other words, a building so tall that no matter how far away they roamed, they would always be able to see this tower and return instead of being scattered. God knew that it was not good for man to become too populated in one area for reasons of resources, crime, and eventually an anti-biblical drive in everything they do. Kind of reminds me of the urban population centers of this day. God judged them by dividing them by new languages, and he dispersed them so that they would no longer remain together in that place. The Age of Promise, Genesis chapter 12 through Exodus chapter 19. Next, we come to this age of promise where God calls a man named Abram out of the city of Ur in the land of the Chaldees, and he promised to make him a great nation and to give him a land that he had never seen before. The responsibility given was to dwell in the land of Canaan and to rely on God, but we continually see failure by the patriarchs of Israel to go to Egypt for their resources, and eventually they move into Egypt. God's judgment upon this age was that the nation of Israel remained as slaves in Egypt. The Age of Law, Exodus 19 through Acts chapter 2, kind of. Now, while in bondage in Egypt, God raises up Moses, who is that author of the first five books of the Bible and who the law is given to. 
the New Age is noted by many theologians as having the responsibility of having to obey the law. The problem with looking at the law this way is that you get a sense that if you write down all the rules and you're able to check off each box, then you've earned the favor of God. It seems legitimate. Obey the law, and you're in. Break the law, and you're out with God. And this is what the Pharisees and Sadducees of Jesus' day were all about, the legalism of the law. These legalists were not only interested in the letter of the law, but they had volumes of commentary that expanded on the law to make sure no law was broken. The point that they and we oftentimes fail to see is that in each age, God requires us to respond to him with love and obedience through faith, knowing full well that we will often fail, but the desire of our heart should be towards God. The Age of Grace, or the Church Age, Acts chapter 2 through Revelation chapter 20. This brings us to the age in which we now live, known by many theologians as the Age of Grace. I reject this title because from the moment Adam and Eve first sinned, we have needed God's grace to respond to him in the way he required at any age. In this time, God's requiring that we trust in Christ's work by faith, and mankind by and large fails God's requirement by rejecting Christ, and God's judgment on our age will be in the Great Tribulation, which will be at the very end of this age. The Kingdom Age, Revelation chapter 20. The age that you hear me talk about so many times is the Kingdom Age. This will be after the destruction of the Great Tribulation, and the earth is in a state of utter destruction, and only those who were saved during and who are still alive at the end of the Tribulation will enter the Kingdom, as well as Old and New Testament saints who had died or were raptured and came back with Jesus at his second coming will enter this new Kingdom Age. Jesus will take the throne of David and rule the whole world from Jerusalem, and his responsibility for mankind will be to obey and worship God. You would think, after destroying all of his enemies with just a word, and living physically among us, that it would be easy for mankind to obey and worship God. But we see that mankind fails God one more time by having one final rebellion, and God will have one more final judgment against mankind by destroying all of creation, and at the great white throne judgment, all of those who rejected God will be sent into eternal hell, and all of those who follow God will go into the eternal state of glory that we do not know much about except that the Bible promises, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. That's a whole lot of stuff about history and theology and Bible stuff, but we're talking about why the law. Is the law for today? Well, that's a difficult question because the language that the Bible was written in and English are very different. When we see the word law, it could mean three different things. It could mean the whole Old Testament as we see in Romans chapter 3 verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God, which is a description, the quotes from Psalms and Proverbs previous in the chapter. It could refer to specifically the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible written by Moses, which contains the Ten Commandments and the rest of the laws given by God through Moses. Or it could refer to how Israel separated the law from its foundation of faith and made it into a system of legalism or rule following. It's this type of legalism that has caused some theologians to separate the age of law from the age of grace and support their thoughts with verses like Romans chapter 3 verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, the law we became conscious of our sin. Or Romans 6.14, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under the law, but under grace. 
This is not saying that the law given by God is now null and void, but rather that the false religious system of legalism that the Jews found themselves in is superseded by grace, not only now, but always. God's grace was always a part of the law he gave us. This is why there was a sacrificial system in place. God knew that we would not be able to keep the law perfectly, and that's why there were sacrifices in place to symbolically have God take our sins away, and we trusted by faith that those sacrifices would be enough to cover us until the perfect sacrifice was made on our behalf. The only thing that is different between what is called the age of law and the age of grace is that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice that the Jews were waiting for, and once he perfectly kept the law as fully man and sacrificed himself as a blameless sacrifice for all of mankind, we now no longer need imperfect sacrifices. While waiting on the Messiah, we just need to believe by faith the Messiah is enough for us and then continue on by loving God and obeying him by faith. Additionally, we no longer have to come to God through becoming Jewish, but those of us who are Gentiles, non-Jewish, are grafted into God's family by way of faith in Jesus as well. The problem in today's world is that we are willfully ignorant. We have a conscience that tells us something is wrong, and we ignore it to the point that it's irrelevant to us. We have God's law and we ignore it, or we make excuses on why we're special and that it doesn't apply to us. We know God's judgment is coming for us, and yet we believe that somehow we are special and God will make an exception for us. And I'm here to tell you that you're wrong. There's only one way you will escape God's judgment, and that's through believing that Jesus' payment for you was enough, by turning from your sins and following Jesus as your Lord. There's no prayer that can take the place of that, neither now or after you're dead. No amount of burning candles will take the place of that. No amount of bead fiddling will take the place of that. No voodoo sacrifice will take the place of that. And definitely nothing you could ever say to God or do for God will ever take the place of that. When the Bible says that small is the gate and narrow is the path that leads to eternal life and few be the ones who find it, let me tell you how narrow it is. Jesus is that gate. And only by believing in his sacrifice on the cross can you enter. And by using that same faith to love God and obey him in both what he says in his law and through his apostles will we be able to follow Jesus on the narrow paths of righteousness. Any other way that you're trying to get to God will fail. The Discipleship Center and its subsidiaries, TDC Aquaponics and TDC Farm, are a registered 501c3 charity serving in the not-so-beautiful city of Kekakee and its surroundings. Have you or a loved one been struggling with substance abuse, chronic unemployment, need some work experience after a recent incarceration, or just failed to move on to a more productive phase of life? There is hope just around the corner with the Discipleship Center where every life matters and we strive to fulfill the Great Commission one life at a time. Check us out on the web at www.discipleshipctr.org today.